0: Okay, great, Jeff.
1: So, yeah, Mitch, so uh, great to have you here. If you could just tell the listeners a little bit about your story, your journey, how you got started in addiction recovery and mental health. Great. Well,
0: first of all, thank you so much for having me, Jeff. The reason that I, and again, my name is Mitch Leff, I am founder of this company called Mitch Motivates. It's kind of took it from my Instagram handle and just made it an LLC. And, and I have a lot of experience in the, in the recovery space. And I decided to go on my own here after working in the industry for about seven years and be an independent recovery professional and decided to help as many people as I can. So with that kind of being my deal. Things like podcasts, things like Instagram, social media, website are huge for me because we live in, it's 2020. We live in a time where, you know, people can check out important information from their home in the palm of their hand. So this stuff is huge for me. So you want me to get kind of talk about my story? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay, so I'm from North Jersey. Grew up in a great town, Short Hills, New Jersey. And, and by the way, I think that the details are important. So I'll talk about as many things as I can with the details. Right. because I think it's important that people identify. I think it's important. There's such a stigma around this, especially it seems like where I grew up. So it seems like the more things I point out by name about, that are like important to my story, the more helpful we could possibly, you know, get this. So I grew up in Short Hills, New Jersey, went to Melbourne High School. Great childhood, great town. Except with the first time I tried alcohol and then which later led me into drugs, it was just different. And I never drank normally. I never social drinking just didn't make sense to me, Jeff. I like the first time I picked up a drink, it was just like a normal in the basement with a couple buddies. But like it just felt differently. And from that po- moment on, when I drank, it was basically to get drunk. I just, again, I was like in high school, 15, 16 years old. I just, I didn't really understand social drinking. I just drank alone and drank to get drunk. And that basically progressed to marijuana use a couple times a day, which progressed onto cocaine use. And again, mostly alone, most like, I just, I just didn't understand. So the point of social drinking and and drug use, some of the weed smoke was with people, but what I started to do when I was abusing the marijuana is, you know, I kind of made new friends to fit my lifestyle. So I I ditched the old friends I had growing up. And like, that was like, so the point is my relationship with drugs and alcohol caused, you know, me to just live my life differently right away and, and i just like never kind of understood what it was like to to use like alcohol or drugs and i guess normal if, if that's even a thing so to just speed up my story i find myself in you know having problems and having issues and and i got arrested on graduation night from high school i i started letting people down all the time letting family down letting friends down I I go to college that my freshman year, I go to Indiana University, and it just like I went downhill right away. By this time, I was abusing cocaine almost daily. I didn't go to class at, at college. I, I was a degenerate, basically. I did anything I could to get high, and I couldn't stop. And I just, I just kept going. So... Fast forward to April of my freshman year, I came back to Jersey for my cousin's bat mitzvah. So I I plan to be only home for a weekend. Here I am as I'm a definitely a full-blown drug addict at this point. I just couldn't stop using. I didn't go to class. All I did was figure out ways to get money, to get high. It, It was like, it was bad. I didn't really brush my teeth. I didn't shower. I, my roommate had moved out. I was just disgusting. I was a degenerate and I just couldn't stop using. So April of my freshman year of college comes around. I go home for the bat mitzvah. I ended up seeing my drug dealer get high and run away from home. I spent about one night with, at the drug dealer's house. Then he basically said I had to leave. I found myself in a motel room with my dad's stolen credit card. The, the the drug dealer I had at the time in Jersey, he would accept gift certificates as payment. So wow. basically, I, my thing was to steal credit cards, use them to buy gift cards. At this time, it was like 2005, 2006. When you bought gift cards, they didn't check ID. So, you know, any person can buy any gift card with a credit card. So knowing that I bought the drugs and it seemed like I had an unlimited supply. So anyway, I, I found myself in some motel room was ran away at this point. I had my uncle calling me, my dad calling me like, where are you? You're supposed to be at the bat mitzvah. You know, it was a weekend affair. It was like they had some Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I was in this motel room up on, on speed cocaine. So they ended up, my parents filed a missing persons report. They tracked me down. And they took me to a hospital. The, the cops like knocked on my door. They found me. And here I am, like IVs in my arm. My family comes from the hospital. They're worried sick, comes to the hospital. And I say to them, I have a problem and I can't stop. A week later, I was in, in treatment. A week after I was in treatment, I turned 19 years old. So that's to give you an idea of the timeline of my life. And so that's what, that's what started my journey in recovery, Jeff. Um, but
1: uh, Mitch, I, I was just curious. You know that you describe about how you had a, a positive childhood. What What do you think led to your led to your, your addiction? Was it uh, you think it was just a genetic thing, or is there some something going on that you weren't dealing with? Well, what do you, What do you think? Uh, what do you think led to, led to this? That, that,
0: yeah, that's a great point. And and there is countless. You know, I to be honest, I don't spend too much time thinking about what led to it I, I think I have a pretty good idea and the simple fact is that I think that what I'm doing in my recovery I think that questioning why for me it 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 goes against my belief that I am in that I am a drug addict and I am an alcoholic and what I mean by that is I am so positive that I have an issue I don't want to think back out to you know why because I feel like that will bring up questioning the issue but but i will answer that and i think that it's a little bit of nature and a little bit of nurture
1: right um, i mean it usually is it, both yeah. But yeah yeah yeah
0: i, I think that like be, and and my point is the reason you know i feel like i picked up a drink like a normal teenager i don't see anything wrong with that but the when i what what chemically happened in my body the feeling that i felt when i drank and the idea that it just made sense to me to drink alone until I got drunk instead of like have a couple beers only at a party is something I just can't explain. I, I do believe there was a level of like, you know, you feel really good when you're in high school and you're doing drugs and you don't have any consequences and people start to think you're cool and you start to right. hang out you know, women in in my case, and you start to like it, I mean, that that makes sense. But what I can't explain is the chemical like reaction that it just made sense to me. I can't describe it any other way besides that. That
1: Well, uh, I mean, the things I was thinking anything. about is that yeah. sometimes that, uh, I mean, especially with the other guys, that, that they have a father that's a little bit nasty, they things like yeah. that, or, or those kinds of things. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't... It was...
0: yeah, no, I mean, there wasn't anything like that. It was just a normal thing that for me... It just uh, my reaction when alcohol or drugs enter my body or actually anything that feels good for that matter, candy, sugar, I just want more. But the difference, honestly, when I have a couple sweet tarts or like Sour Patch Kids and I'm like, oh my God, I want more. There's a point where I could be like, you know what? I'm done. You know, I'm full or like, I don't want my teeth to like, I don't want to like, rot my teeth, like I'm done. But like with a cocaine or alcohol or weed, I just stopped. I, I did it until I physically couldn't do it anymore. And then when my body recovered, I did it again. So like, I just armed with the facts about myself and how that's how my body reacts. I know that I, I'm a drug addict. I know that I'm an alcoholic. I know that I'm in recovery. And it's like, I just accept that and move on. I accept that, that I'm a, I'm a cucumber that turned into a pickle, you know? Right. Okay. So, now I I would love to talk about how I started working in. in, Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. So basically, you know, we have a saying that you have to change one thing when you get sober and that's everything. Okay. The one thing is everything. So I went to treatment and I completely changed my life. I, and I, Went to a halfway house in the Poconos after treatment. I live with people where from the, the Poconos. The place I lived was in, by East Stroudsburg. That area? Okay. Yeah. Nice yeah. area. Yeah. yeah. And it was a great place to get sober. I went to community college. I had a, a job as a waiter. It was, it was great. Then i lived live with, and then the, my journey till I got to New York City, which is where I live now, is like keep, keep building a community of people around me. When I when I left the halfway house, I lived with people in an apartment from the halfway house. After that was done, I found out that Rutgers University had a program for students in recovery. And I transferred to Rutgers and I lived in their recovery program, which is incredible. And when I went there, they only had one house. Apparently now they have two. So they're just helping students in recovery left and right down at Rutgers. And what they're doing is an amazing job. And when I graduated from Rutgers, I moved to New York City with someone from that I knew in the recovery house from Rutgers, and he was my roommate. And then when he was done, I moved out on my own. So it's like what boom, boom, boom. For me, I constantly stayed connected to recovery. And I moved to New York because I knew that the recovery program was so strong. So that's on the personal side. Now, on the professional side, when I was living in New York, I ended up finding a sober living in New York to work for. I kind of tried out corporate America a little bit, and it didn't work out, so I worked for the sober living. And I worked for them for about seven years.
1: What do you do in corporate America?
0: I was in uh, public relations. Yeah, just like someone I knew from Rutgers who was sober actually knew someone else, and they kind of got me an internship, and it was just an amazing it was so fun to be in an office in New York City. I just, I thought that was awesome. I think I was just hypnotized by New York City. And, you know, there was just so much energy. It was just great. Sure.
1: Um, I, I have a question for you. I, something I just I, I thought of speaking to you about this is that I, I've noticed in terms of like, I think, this, I think this kind of applies to public relations, that as far as public relations goes, I, I feel that like, that if you, if you sort of play it right, that being in recovery now in, in a lot of fields can seem kind of an asset, that it's like something, uh, it's kind of a, kind of it can be a positive branding kind of a thing. Whereas, whereas um, saying you're in like recovery from a mental health disorder, it seems to be a little bit more stigmatized. I was wondering what any, any thoughts you have on that. Absolutely. Can I just clarify? You mean yeah, if, yeah, I, sure.
0: openly, no if I openly talk about it? You mean people are, it's more stigmatized if I say, look, I'm bipolar than like, look, I'm sober?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I find it, I find, yeah. But I think it's a bit, I mean, I, I see it as a bit of a public relations thing, but, but, but go, go ahead. Uh, yeah. Your thoughts. No,
0: honestly, I absolutely, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And if, to be honest, if I had to guess, it probably has to do a little bit with celebrities and a little bit how like, there's a bunch of celebrities that go to get sober and right. get rehabs and get caught drunk driving. Then it's like, Oh, this guy went, this famous movie star went to rehab and now he's sober. Like, you know, I, I feel like that potentially has something to do with it. Just the exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you hear a lot more about that than you hear about people saying like, look, I had anxiety and then I went to therapy Took some meds. Now I wean myself off the meds. Now I still go right. to therapy. I think that's great, and I'm doing well. You know,
1: it's um, changing a bit. No, I mean, I think I feel that people are. It's becoming less stigmatized. But I, I just, if comparing the two of them, I think that being sober has much better PR than being having a mental health like a just a straight mental health disorder. Or being a yeah, no, you're absolutely
0: right, and and from my experience in the professional world, it's just unfortunately we still have to kind of watch out with caution who we disclose what we're going through right. um, with. And that's why the community is so important. The community, if you're in a, a community of sober people or in a community of people that have mental health issues like yours, you feel comfortable talking about it and you could feel comfortable just being yourself. And that's right. all, You know, so that's important. So that's honestly probably one of the reasons that I didn't like corporate America. I, feel like I wasn't able to fully be myself. I feel like there's people and no judgment because there's a lot of people that are like this that put on one face when they're in the office and then a different face when they leave the office. To me, like what I'm trained in recovery is to be honest and practice these principles in all my affairs. And it was just hard for me to be di- a different person, you know, so I'm used to like people knowing I'm sober, talking about it if I'm going through something being able to pause for my day and, and handle that, you know, so it was important for me to, to start to f- shape my, my professional world, like I shaped my living situation, like I shaped where I was, li- you know, the, 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 the friends I had around my recovery and not the other way around. So meaning that I looked for a profession where I can, you know, where my recovery put where I was able to put my recovery first.
1: You know, yeah. That no, so, uh, you mentioned that—that's that's a good point. That, that's something I, I've always I, I've heard about when I've worked at uh, treatment centers about how that recovery should come first. And, and could yeah, like, you speak a little bit to what that what that means to you and how it's applied yeah. to your your life.
0: Well, absolutely. So I'll talk about it. I mean, first as a result of my my personal story at up until this point every geography, every geographical place that I've lived is in mind with it's a good place for my recovery. I've lived with sober roommates, I have moved to places. And my first thought was before I went there was, is this good for my recovery? Not the other way around. I, I just I didn't move to LA because of the weather and then say, I'm in LA now, is this good for my recovery? So I thought about like that kind of stuff first. Same thing with the per- career. I the, the public, there came to a point where corporate America wasn't good for my recovery. And I had two different jobs after I graduated college in public relations. I got fired from the first one, because we lost our biggest client and couldn't afford me. And then the second job was just horrible for me. And I quit. And I decided that I will never take a job if it jeopardizes my recovery. A lot of people um, don't understand that they have options and, or like, I'm stuck in this job. Now, how could I arrange my recovery around that? And it just doesn't work like that. And so I decided to work in recovery because being, cause that supports, you know, my life, you know, and my recovery f- the best because I'm around it and I could be myself 24 seven and I could be honest with people that I'm sober and then you use my experience in a positive way. Because the alternative, I've seen people that don't make this. I've seen people that are not here anymore. And if you're six feet under, you can't show up to work the next day. So it doesn't, in my opinion, that simple logic it equates to, you know, no job is worth your recovery.
1: So what's what's your take on harm reduction? Or are you, do you, if you're familiar with it, the like yeah. things like Suboxone, needle exchange programs, that kind of stuff, uh, or...
0: I first of all when I think that it's really really important when anyone gets into a convert when anyone gets into talk like that to say that I'm not a medical professional right and there is and I'm not a scientist right and I so if someone is going into a conversation without talking about that first they don't know what they're talking about because there's absolutely in just my opinion that someone that just cuz they're in recovery that doesn't give them the 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 experience to talk about medicine and this is a lot of its medicine i believe in meeting people where they're at and i believe in meeting people halfway it it just works and and i believe in the in I believe in the 12 steps and an abstinence policy. And I believe in harm reduction to people that are just not there yet, you know, and and I believe in just, I think that the best policy is to meet people where they're at. And if you're not a doctor or scientist, don't have an opinion. I don't have an opinion on it. I support people if they're on it. And I've seen, you know, I've se- and I've just seen that work. I, I just, I think that's important. Jeff?
1: Yeah, no, there was this one guy, I just, uh, I, I couldn't think of his his name off the top. I mean, I thought of his name, but I couldn't think of his his famous saying, and it's a shame because, and it's like, there was this guy that was, he's one of the ones that really popularized the whole, like, sort of distributing uh, Narcan on the street for, for people that need it for free. His name is okay. Dan Biggs. Okay. He passed away about it, maybe about, that was about close to two years ago, But uh, but his The thing that he was famous for saying is any positive change that that like, and it's sort of like it's in line with saying meeting people where they're at, if they're not ready to get sober, if you can just get them to do any, some small positive change, that's sort of a, a small win essentially. Exactly. And I really
0: think that most people that have been in the field, most people that have worked and have been in recovery for a number of years Well, will 100% agree to that. And I think it's it's time that we start even more opening up to more ideas to help more people. Like this is what we have to do. This is an example to why I'm big into sharing as openly as possible on podcast, Instagram, social media. Because now this gives us an even more chance to help more people. I've been going to one Zoom 12-step meeting a day. This idea of Zoom meetings now, if we add it to what we had, can help. You know, when we're back after this coronavirus quarantine, can help more people. I
1: love what about uh, someone else in recovery told me about that they they were going to some underground uh, in person meetings. Have uh, mm. Have you been involved with any of those uh, lately during the quarantine?
0: No, I, I I Zoom meetings are working for me just fine. I rather not do anything. I mean, technically, that I mean, we're not going to get into a political debate whether it's legal or not to observe the rules. But whether whether it's legal or not, I observe the rules, even if it's suggested. Kind of like twelve-step rules aren't aren't you know rules that you live or die by. They're suggested. So no Zoom meetings actually work really well. So and my point to that is like along the lines of what we're saying. If you don't even feel comfortable showing your face or revealing your identity, you can join a Zoom meeting, change your name to John D, you know, John Doe. You don't have to show your face and you could listen and maybe you hear something. And isn't that a way, isn't that even one more thing of, of helping someone than only in-person 12-step meet, you know? So I think that's, we're learning a lot. And I completely agree in like, you know, with what you were saying about that other guy.
1: You know, oh, in- yeah, Dan Biggs. Yeah. Um, Amazing. But uh but the, the sad thing about it is like I feel like I I I I'm not as deep into maybe as I used to be, but but it's still something I support and believe in the advocating for harm reduction uh, principles. But but it's it's sad to me when then it's sort of like to me, in terms of like an ideological thing, that somebody that advocates for that, and then other people that are more hardcore absence people say, yeah you see it doesn't work because the guy that created that basically died of, of an overdose. So it's, it's a, anyway, but that's a, yeah. But I had a different thought, different, a little bit different topic related, but um, I, I had a get together with a friend uh, last night and I mean, he's not sober. And I mean, I'll, I'll yep. disclose me. I'm not myself. I'm not in recovery uh, from drugs or alcohol. Um, mm-hmm either but one of the things that he brought up that he's been he said he, he yeah he's not not in recovery and but he was saying that he feels that like he you know during this uh, quarantine he feels a lot better that he's not drinking and he and he's asking me if i if I and, I and yeah i think you do just because alcohol you tend not to especially as you get older you drink you don't it messes with your sleep you don't feel as good but and he was like, Are you missing that? And I said, Well the the main thing I'm really missing about it isn't really the the drinking or not drinking. It's just being able to go out and, and the camaraderie, the fellowship during this quarantine is what I'm missing. Not not whether drinking or not. That's that's more to me the bigger thing. So I guess the the question uh, the question that leads to me is how yeah I mean describe your thoughts on that I mean like going from I mean obviously you probably get a lot of fellowship and camaraderie with the the sober uh, stuff so I mean talk about yeah talk about how that that relates to you
0: I do and and look first of all it's just all about how bad someone wants it you know nowadays we live in a days of of you know information is so easily accessible So I would be surprised to find people that 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 wouldn't be able to find the support groups that they need, you know, so that's not a question. The question is, are you going to do it? You know, so like I said, I chose this time, this quarantine as a time to work on myself because I being in recovery for so long, it's like second nature to move forward and be productive with my life. So right away, I I actually got back into therapy, personally, because it's so easy to do a virtual therapy now. Not only is it so easy, and, and I can't speak for you, Jeff, but a lot of therapists are offering sliding scale rates because their businesses are being hurt. So it, right. it's not only easier, it's more accessible, and it's cheaper right now, so I love it. Also, governments are doing free you know mental health services. I live in New York. They're, they have a, a hotline. I'm part of a volunteer network where we offer free services to any essential or frontline workers or their families. So there's is the help if you need it. So it's about how bad do you want it. And then so, you know, it's not only in my recovery that I'm that I'm, you know, doing zoom, I'm doing family zoom, I'm doing FaceTimes with the, the fitness community I'm in. So in my opinion, there's no excuse if you want it, but it's about how bad you want it. There is a lot of You know, I almost feel maybe closer to a lot of people than I have during, you know, when it's not quarantine, because I'm taking so many steps and so much action to Zoom, FaceTime and phone calls. So I'm checking in with more people um, because it seems like that's what we do now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The other other thought I had, I wanted to ask you about is what what have you, I mean, I've seen this as an emerging market, these kind of different non-alcoholic drinks and stuff. Are you, what do you think about that stuff?
0: I don't know. I, I, I think that's that's. I think that's pushing the waters. If you're someone like me, if you're if you're an alcoholic or a substance abuser, I mean, I mean, it just there's nothing about that that's appealing to me. It's okay. just a black and white person. It's okay. either all or nothing.
1: All yeah, or I, nothing. I got you. I, I mean, that, that, that's what what I, I mean personally. Why I like the more. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. That's yeah, that's fair. Yeah.
0: No, to give you an example, I'm someone that that I've been cigarette free for four years Um, I I, I've smoked cigarettes for about 12 years, like over a pack a day. And now I I use the Nicorette nicotine gum to stop and I still chew it because it's been helpful to me, but I'm someone that won't even go near a vape or hookah because I don't even want to have the act of smoking take place. That's a trigger for me. So I I want that same logic there a hundred percent. And, and yeah. And then if you want what I was thinking, I I just, I could kind of finish my journey of like professionally, how I got to where I'm at today. Yeah, sure. Go
1: for that. That's, That's great.
0: Yeah. So again, I worked for a sober living for seven years. I worked in recovery and I was in recovery. And, and after a while, Jeff, I got burned out. You know, I was doing this, since I was 19. And then I'm in my 30s. And, and then needed a break. And it turns out the break that I took, and I, I went back to corporate America instead of PR it was advertising and digital marketing. And it turned out that that break from working in the, in the industry was what I needed to take me to the next level. And it's just funny that when you take the next right action with the good right intentions, it, it works out for you. So what I did is I, I started My, while I wasn't working in recovery, I I had to do something because it's like to be of service and to help people that are part that have the same or similar path as me with addiction or mental health is huge. And it's like, I feel like it's my purpose. So I started this Instagram page called Mitch Motivates um, because I didn't have a page. And it was like a blog, motivational, some recovery stuff, a lot of fit. How
1: long has that been
0: up and running for? Um, A little over a year and i did this when i was out of the business and i it i like to simo- i like to inspire and motivate people not just in recovery through fitness through nutrition through a schedule through you know waking up early motivational quotes just it made me feel really good and and what i decided to do when i was wanted to work back in recovery again because i felt very unfulfilled by advertising and corporate america is I went on a couple interviews in to work for different rehab centers, and I realized that I need to be on my own. And I realized that there was a need for independent recovery professionals, specialists that can work with everybody in the industry. And that's what I did. And I just named it after my Instagram page called Mitch Motivates LLC. And what I do is I'm a recovery expert specialist for hire. And I work with rehabs, I work with coaching businesses, interventionalists, sober livings, and they can hire me. I do coaching,
1: recovery. You work with um, teenagers as well, or families, or just adults? Yeah.
0: yeah. One of the service I, I do is called Sober Companion. So, you know, I, it's kind of 24 seven. And I could live, and especially with adolescents, I've lived in the homes of a couple families and help their son or, you know, their their child so i do the 24/7 support i can i do the live in services i do transport so i can transport people from basically point a to point b usually taking people to treatment case management crisis management things like that so that's kind of what i do and now it's such a gift that i can be on my own i have all this experience from being in recovery and working in recovery and like what i said first i could help as more people this way and that's good um, Cause I get to work with so many different people around the country uh, right now. It's sold basically in the Northeast, but like kind of, we were talking about like maybe starting to connect with people in South Florida, maybe Los Angeles. Like I could do that now that I don't work for one company that I work for myself. That was the goal. You know, I can set boundaries, you know, I can say, no, I need a weekend. Uh, you know, that's important. I've learned all this being in recovery and now that I can do it professionally, it's just amazing.
1: So when when, there, when there's no coronavirus, I'm assuming you have like a home home group meeting. Where 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 would that be? Where, where is that?
0: It's local on the on the Upper East Side where I live. But now it's funny that my home group is a Zoom meeting right now because I'm going to the same Zoom meeting almost every day. When you do that, you start to see the same people, similar to in person recovery, and you build that community. We have a group chat, a lot of people from the meeting. We're going to – a few of us are going to meet up, you know, social distance and safe on Sunday for Memorial Day. And that's the stuff you do when you have that community. You feel supported. You feel connected. And you get to be of service and help
1: people. All right. Cool. Yeah, Jeff. Yeah. Um- what about? So, you just made me think about. So we're getting a little bit pressed for time here, but what about how? I mean, obviously, you grew up Jewish, and, and how, how how do you feel that's played into your recovery? And I, I mean, I feel that the there's all there's a yeah. It seems to be an emerging uh, kind of subset of like a Jewish recovery aspect. And anything you do that has a bit more of a Jewish component in your recovery.
0: Well, what I would say is the the I'm proud to be a Jew. I use it not to separate myself, but use it to unite us. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's great that there could be a certain subset Jewish recovery, but I wouldn't want to see something like that separate, you know, I, I so what I mean by that is like, if someone's new, or if someone's like coming along, I want ident- to help them identify with what they're going through and say, look, I'm Jewish too. Yeah. And you could be sober like me, you know, so I think that is more important than having like a, you almost subset and but I do believe in that in that as well. I support that I, I've gone to Ju- a sober Shabbat dinners, connecting with, you know, because there, there could be some aspects of the religion that when that person gets um, sober, they still need to, you know, abide by, such as going to a rehab, let's say who has kosher food, right. um, if you're kosher. I think all that stuff is important to be knowledgeable, but I think using what we have in common to unite us is what I, the only way that I would use my religion, you know, in, in the recovery space to to be helpful. You know what I mean? I think that's important, Jeff.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. That's uh, I, I guess, I mean, you, you can also look at it a different way that in uh, but I see how you're, you're, where you're coming from, I think that is very yeah. important to unite rather than divide. But, but I think maybe and there's a, another aspect of it that connecting with other Jews in recovery it can be more of a, a you know, u- unique bond that you share that's a little bit yeah. special in its own way. But. No, I 100, I, I 100% agree with you. I agree. But uh, anyway, anyway, uh, Mitch, yeah, great having you here. Great meeting you. Great speaking with you. Any any other final thoughts?
0: Well, again, Jeff, I think what you're doing is amazing. The more that we talk about this, the less the stigma out there happens to be with mental health, with substance abuse, with recovery, with addiction. So I think it doesn't even matter if this was a good conversation. We're having the conversation, Jeff. Right. That's <laughs> kind of like what I'm what I'm about. If anyone that's listening wants to find me, Instagram at Mitch Motivates, Mitchmotivates.com, I'm always around. And if anyone needs help or questions, please have people contact me. I love meeting new people, supporting new people. It doesn't have to be related to my business. It could be related to personal recovery. We're,
1: we're good. What uh, about uh, Facebook? Are you on, I didn't see you on Mitch Motivates on Facebook. Are you on Facebook?
0: One thing at a time for me. Um, <laughs> I'm, I just started a LinkedIn recently, and I'm just taking it one thing at a time. Social media can be a lot. Because um, I believe if you're going to do it, do it to the max. So, like, sure. I don't want to have a bunch of different s- social media pages and have them be blank. Right. Um, and I Insta- yeah, Instagram and LinkedIn are getting more views than Facebook, so that's why I put my attention there.
1: No, I mean, I see your Instagram is quite active. So I mean I was yeah, just yeah. wondering because I didn't, I, I thought maybe you were on there. I just couldn't find you, but yeah. All right, Mitch. Well, uh, enjoy uh, enjoy the rest of Memorial Day. Thank you, Jeff. Weekend. Yeah, you're welcome. We'll talk Thank soon, you. okay? You're welcome. All right.